Welcome to this episode of Litigation Briefs, Media Shorts on Law and Courts. I'm Scott Dodson, a distinguished professor of law at UC Hastings College of the Law and the director of the Center for Litigation and Courts, which produces this series. When you attend Duke University, as I did, you can't help but become a Duke basketball fan. It's inevitable. And the most intense moment of the basketball season is always the Duke game against North Carolina in Duke's home stadium. It's hard to imagine, and with some glee, I must say, a more hostile environment for the Tar Heels. In sports, location matters. It turns out that location matters in litigation too. Where the litigation is held can benefit one party and disadvantage another. And if the litigation is in state court, different states might be interested in having their own courts hear the case. One doctrine of civil litigation that helps to figure out where a case can be litigated is the doctrine of personal jurisdiction. So what is this doctrine and how does it work? Here to help me with these questions is my guest, Cassandra Robertson, the John Deaver Drinko Baker Hostetler Professor of Law at Case Western Law School. Andra, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Let's start with a definition. What does personal jurisdiction mean? So personal jurisdiction refers to the power of a court over a party, typically the defendant, and particularly to enter a judgment that will bind that party. Um, the scope of the personal jurisdiction power is geographical or territorial, so state lines really matter. Give me an example of a court that doesn't have personal jurisdiction over, say, me. Have you ever been to Alaska? I haven't. I've always <laughs> wanted to, but I haven't. Yeah, I hear it's amazing and um, you should definitely go. But let's say that you and I get into a dispute about uh, what percentage of this episode's royalties um, that you refuse to pay me. I, I think I deserve at least 80% of the royalties from this show. So I want to sue you and I really like Alaska. So I am going to sue you in Alaska. Well, you aren't likely to win that one, Andrea. There, Andrea, there are no royalties for this show. Well, to be fair, it's, it's a really weak case, but I'm gonna try anyway. And now that I know you've never been to Alaska, I've decided to sue you in a court that's located in a very remote Alaskan town um, where they raise sled dogs because they always wanted to cuddle those puppies, right? Um, it's super hard to get to, but worth it, especially in winter. Can you do that? You, I don't think you've ever been to Alaska either. <laughs> No, sadly not, although clearly I want to. Um, but as the plaintiff in the suit, I have consented to the court's jurisdiction. Um, so even, even though the court wouldn't otherwise perhaps have personal jurisdiction over me, I can consent um, and then the court can exercise jurisdiction over me. So if I wanted to bring the suit in Alaska, the fact that I have no connections to the state doesn't matter. And even you as a defendant could in theory uh, consent to jurisdiction there as well. Maybe you wanna see the puppies and ride a sled, um, but you probably don't because I chose this location because it's hard for you to get to. So you would raise the issue of personal jurisdiction and almost certainly win on that issue. Yeah, I, I don't want to consent. I don't want to have to defend against your suit in Alaska. Aren't there polar bears there? <laughs> Maybe. Oh, no. So how do um, I 
argue that personal jurisdiction protects me? So this is, this is where the doctrine really does protect the defendant's interests. Um, you're an involuntary party to the lawsuit. You didn't want me to sue you. Um, you've never physically been there. You haven't had any contacts with the state. Nothing about the state has anything to do with Alaska. The, the Alaskan courts do not care about our dispute. It doesn't have anything to do with the state or affect any state residents. Um, so as a result, the, the court would lack personal jurisdiction over you, and you can move to dismiss my lawsuit on that basis. Um, but as I tell my students, you've got to do it pretty quickly. If you wait too long to make that defense, you may have just found yourself consenting. So that's great for me. I'm glad that we have the doctrine of personal jurisdiction to protect me. But tell me a little bit about where this doctrine comes from. So personal jurisdiction comes from two different sources. Um, the first is the United States Constitution Due Process Clause, and that prevents the government, including the courts as a branch of government, from depriving persons of life, liberty, and property without the due process of law. Now, as we know, due process can mean a whole lot of different things. There are a lot of interests that are protected as part of that due process clause. But one of those things is that a court seeking to enter judgment against you must have personal jurisdiction over you. And then the second major source that we look to is a statute or court rule. The legislature has the power to narrow the scope of the court's territorial reach within what the constitution would otherwise allow. So the two parts of it are that the constitution's due process clause has to allow the court to exercise jurisdiction over you. And uh, typically if, if we're talking about state courts, the state itself has to actually want to exercise jurisdiction over this kind of a case. What are the policies underlying personal jurisdiction? Well, one big policy is fairness to the defendant. Um, it's really unfair and so unfair as to be a denial of due process to force a defendant to litigate in a state that's unrelated to the defendant and to the lawsuit. Um, it would be like having Duke have to play all of its games, even those against opponents who aren't North Carolina, in North Carolina's stadium. So another policy is the need to maintain the relationship among the states. Um, states rely on their own courts to help enforce their laws, to protect their citizens, and to administer justice generally. So you're from California. If you injure another Californian in California, and the person that you injured tried to sue you in Nevada, California might be pretty annoyed um, that it's losing the opportunity for its own courts to hear the case, that it's losing the opportunity to administer justice, to keep its residents and visitors safe from the likes of you. Um, California might be annoyed, particularly at Nevada, for usurping California's very strong interest in the case. So personal jurisdiction can help ensure that the case is heard in a state that actually has an interest in resolving it. Now that might be more than one state. Um, and if so, that's fine. There may very well be personal jurisdiction in multiple different states, but not in a state where there's no connection to the defendant and no interest on behalf of the state. 
How does the doctrine fulfill those goals? What are its requirements? And feel free to get a little nerdy here. <laughs> uh, it can get pretty nerdy. Uh, and there is a lot of fascinating history to the doctrine, uh, including some great stories going back to the 1800s, but I'll leave that for another time. Um, we, you know, we only have a short amount of time here. Um, but today, a court has personal jurisdiction over parties who are at home in the state where the court is located. We'll call that general jurisdiction because the court has personal jurisdiction regardless of the nature of the case. So if you travel to Ohio and get into a car accident here and then you go back to California, I can sue you for that car accident in California where you live because you're at home there. You can be sued for anything. So the idea is that a defendant really can't complain about a home court advantage, going back to that basketball metaphor. Um, if a team wants to challenge Duke in Duke Stadium, Duke really shouldn't have a complaint even if the opponent is from Alaska and the challenge was made elsewhere. So any party could sue Walmart for any kind of a claim, no matter where it arose, in Bentonville, Arkansas, because that's where the Walmart headquarters is and Walmart is very much at home in that location. Um, plaintiffs and Duke opponents might not like that option though, um, because suing in the defendant's home forum where they have a home court advantage, it's a little scary. So there's another basis for personal jurisdiction called specific jurisdiction, which depends on the contacts between the defendant, the specific claim being asserted, and the place where the plaintiff chooses to sue. Um, this is where personal jurisdiction can get a little bit complicated, but most cases are actually pretty straightforward. Um, if you slip and fall in a Walmart in Nevada, you can sue Walmart in Nevada instead of Arkansas because Walmart voluntarily established a store in Nevada. It subjected itself to Nevada laws about maintaining the safety of its Nevada stores. And you are actually injured in that Nevada store. So there's a lot of connection with the state. And um, certainly the state has an interest in protecting the safety of stores and premises within its jurisdiction. So Walmart in this case have uh, very strong ties to Nevada. And so it's consistent with due process for a Nevada court to exercise personal jurisdiction over Walmart in this case, even though we would not say that Walmart is at home there. Um, but note that you wouldn't be able to sue Walmart in California for your Nevada slip and fall. Um, they're not at home in California. Um, it's at home in Arkansas. And so there's no general personal jurisdiction in California and California has nothing to do with the particular suit at hand, which was a slip and fall in another state. So there's also no specific jurisdiction over Walmart in California for that claim. What is your two minute take on personal jurisdiction today? So my two minute take is that personal jurisdiction is a very important doctrine to protect the defendant's interests and to ensure that litigation is directed into an appropriate forum. Um, in recent years, the Supreme Court has been very protective of the personal jurisdiction doctrine. It has issued um, a number of cases in the last decade, and the majority of them um, have restricted the use of personal jurisdiction when there was no, uh, no sufficient connection with the forum at hand. 
Um, but not every question is settled. Uh, even though the vast majority of cases are relatively straightforward, there's some big issues that we don't have an answer to. One of those big issues is how do we deal with internet contacts? Um, in the doctrine, as we talked about, state borders are important, territory matters, the state's power matters, but so much of our lives, especially now, occurs online. So if I paint a painting and I sell it on Etsy to a, another person who lives in Colorado, um, where, you know, where do those contacts take place? Um, does that count? Would, would there be personal jurisdiction over me if the painting, you know, was in terrible condition and fell off the wall and injured somebody in Colorado? Probably not, but we don't have a good sense of those internet contacts. And that is especially true in speech cases. Um, so let's say I got on an internet forum and I said absolutely untrue defamatory things about all of your favorite Duke basketball players. And they want to sue me rightfully for defamation. Maybe I accuse them of you know, taking the air out of their opponent's basketballs or something like that. Um, so where, where does that speech take place? Do they have to sue me where I live or can they sue me where they feel the brunt of the harm, which would be in their home state? Because honestly, people in Ohio don't care that much about Duke basketball. I know that's, that's heresy to true fans. Um, but these internet questions are, are still open questions that the Supreme Court is very aware of and has intentionally not yet answered. So those students who are in law school today are very likely to be litigating those kind of issues when they get out. Fascinating stuff, Andra. Thanks for being on the show and explaining what personal jurisdiction is. Great. Thank you so much. It's been great to be here. This episode was produced by the Center for Litigation and Courts at UC Hastings College of the Law. If you enjoyed this episode of Litigation Briefs, I hope you'll tune in to future episodes. In fact, I hope you'll consider subscribing to our YouTube channel and audio podcast, which can be accessed through the Center for Litigation and Courts website at sites.uchastings.edu slash CLC. While you're at it, encourage a friend to do the same. This is Litigation Briefs, respectfully submitted, Scott Dodson. <laughs>